This is The Neutral Position, hosted by Nick Palmisciano. Bringing honesty and reason back into conversation. Here's your host, Nick Palmisciano. Hey guys, it's Nick Palmisciano. Welcome to The Neutral Position. Today, my guest, you know him as Donnie O'Malley. We've got Danny Mayer on the show. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, that's a big question. There's a, I, I'm there's expecting a, a big answer. There's a lot there. Um, about myself, well, I was raised by an infantry officer who became a doctor. As people do. Yep. And a mother who's an immigrant who was a, um, a librarian and a teacher in the immigrant inner city. Immigrant from where? Columbia. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's where the that's where the stunning good looks come from. Oh, stop, <laughs> man! You playing? <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, I would I would give it to my mom because I didn't get any of my dad's face. Let's, re- let's rephrase that. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Is this the fourth wall break? <laughs> Let me take that one back. <laughs> yeah, man. One minute in, I'm already breaking Woo! the fourth wall. Welcome to the neutral position. <laughs> Give credit to my mother for the looks. There we go. There we go. Perfect. Um, and uh, I, I had a very fortunate life. Loved. Um, some would say too much because <laughs> now I need it. I need love and attention constantly or I wither and die. And uh, joined the Marine Corps. Are you an only child? I had one brother. He's my best okay. friend. We're basically Irish twins. Okay. Nice. And we're pretty similar. Does he need attention or is he like more healthy? No. No. He's... He's, he's good. He's a little. He's good. Yeah. He's his, his his confidence isn't the same, but he doesn't have that need. Yeah. For attention that I have. So. Yeah, fair enough. Balance each other right. out. So, uh, why'd you join the military? Well, for a while I thought that it was because of the um, war movies I watched as a kid. They're mostly Vietnam War movies mm-hmm. where everyone dies, and I watched right. that, and, and I was you, like, God, and you, I have to do that. And you wanted to die also? I just thought it would be cool to jump out of a CH-46 in the elephant yep. grass into a, a full ambush yep. and fucking charge under fire. I just thought that would be sick. Um, but it would be, it would be um, not fully honest to, to not acknowledge that I – Seeing pictures of my father in, 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 when he was in the Marine Corps, there's mm-hmm. like a handful of pictures, not many. He never talked about it, but just seeing the pictures of my <clears> hero, you know, in the jungle yeah. in the Philippines, yeah. Yeah. I think that was the initial image that I was like, "That's cool." And then there was the war movies, and then we going visiting Washington D.C. I remember playing around on tanks and helicopters and. And then when my dad was going to med school at UNC, he was stationed in the summers at Lejeune. So we spent our summers in Lejeune. And I just thought the Marine Corps was the coolest thing in the world. And I thought war was super cool. And I'm like, I got to do that one day. Yeah. And so you did. And I did. And you went, and you went Marine Corps. <laughs> Marine Corps, yeah. Do you regret going Marine Corps? No. Do you think, do you think because you are not the prototypical Marine. No. I, I will acknowledge after... Um, having many army friends yeah. over the y- you're years. You're definitely more of an army guy. That my personality yeah. fits more army from what I've seen. Yeah. Because I'm a little bit more eccentric of a human yeah. than your typical Marine. Yeah, you're allowed a little bit of, you know, exiting the lane, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. 
Yes, that's that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever brought that up, but I've been I've, I've mentioned that to some of my army friends. Like I I don't always know what service people are from, but I can almost always spot a marine. Uh-huh. There is an intensity. Yeah. There is an intensity to marines. Uh, they say things and they also close space huh. very quickly. The only other vets that close space awkwardly, the way marines do, are submariners. Where they're like talking to you right here, <laughs> you yeah. know, and they like push their hips out towards you too. Like they're even if their hands are in there, like the hips are out, and they're like yeah. constantly like pointing their groin back and forth at you. It's a very marine thing. As an <laughs> army guy, I notice it. I like instantly know. Okay, I've, this guy was probably marine because he's you know he's uh, he's he's dancing his groin at me. Um, <laughs> so you joined the Marine Corps. Yeah. Expe- expectations. Uh, it was. It was. It, Almost exactly what I thought it would be. Okay. And I was fortunate. I had a vision of it that came from my dad mm-hmm. telling me what it was like. He was an uh, infantry officer and telling, you know, telling me what that experience was like, being on ship, being out in the jungle in the Philippines. Um, but I also had a lot of friends who were enlisted. Some of the guys from my fraternity in college, they dropped out and joined um, earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and they would come back to the frat house with all their Marine buddies. So, <clears throat> and a couple of buddies from high school also joined the Marines, and they would come by the frat house. <clears throat> and so I got to hear these guys, you know, hear the voice of enlisted deploying Marines in, in the heat of the wars. Um, and I got that, you know, early on. And so that helped shape my vision of the Marine Corps. And the only, The only difference was that some of my platoon sergeants and squad leaders who had been to some real crazy combat, um, their level of intent, the anger and intensity that they lived with, um, I didn't know they could be like that day to day, but these guys were. Mm-hmm. And all they wanted was payback. They wanted, they're just aching for one more pump one more pump to the sandbox so they can go stack some more bodies and get some more payback. And so that's what I was raised by. So to your point about my demeanor now, my demeanor back then was way different. I was a very, oh, very yeah. different person. Yeah. I was a nut. Um, and uh, I was raised by nuts. Hard combat vets. Some of these guys have been blown up, rehab themselves, make it back to the fight. Um, so so the experience was, uh, honestly, I, I, I had one of the most fortunate Marine Corps experiences of anyone that I've ever heard of. Just just great fortune all the way through. Mm-hmm. So um, I did one deployment to Southeast Asia on the 31st Mew. The other deployment was to Afghanistan uh, in 2012, Musakala, Zamindawar, Nauzad, Kajaki, those areas. Um, so yeah, very fortunate. And you're an interesting character because you know there was a there was the first generation of veterans that kind of became influencers so to speak but you were you're kind of like you kind of came right at the tail end of that uh and you came out and did something very different than anyone else did you were the guy that was you know you're doing hikes you're dancing around. You're this larger-than-life character, you know that you referred to yourself, you know, Don, uh, Donnie O'Malley. Where'd that come from? <clears throat> so, when I was uh, when I was my last year and a half of the Marine Corps, I was in Wounded Warrior Battalion. I was never hit by enemy fire. I'm just weak. I 
break easily. And when I was in, I never stopped because I couldn't miss the war. So I just kind of destroyed my body until finally at the end of my second pump, uh, my ankle was like dangling off my leg. Sure. My foot was dangling off my leg and started having reconstructive surgeries um, after that on an ankle and shoulders. And, um, and it was in Wounded War Battalion, and that was it. In that time, I th my dream was to go MARSOC, and that dream had to die. So I thought, all right, if I, if I, if I got to let that dream die, then I'm going to chase another dream. And that dream was to create my version of Happy Madison Productions. Um, I wanted to make movies and television shows with my friends and family telling the stories of my family because we're just full of characters on both sides. And the path to get there was writing. I didn't know anything. I had no experience doing any of the things. The only experience I, I've had since I was probably 16 was of making a group of guys laugh. And I've been getting those reps in every day, all day, every day, because that is, has been a huge part of my joy is making a bunch of dudes laugh. The sounds of la when I hear the sounds of laughter, you might as well be saying, I love you, now, I love you, you're now, amazing. When women laugh, does it have the same effect? Yes, it has okay. the same effect, but... You're just not as good at it. Yes, touche. Uh, <laughs> when I started, my, my audience was men. Mm -hmm. um, and I n I've never tried to, you know, appease everyone. So I, I'm like, I'm good at making guys laugh, that's what I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, and then that, that worked out great because then I joined the Marine Corps. It was all guys, infantry, all guys. Um, so in any case, uh, I, I needed to develop the, uh, the ability to tell stories. So I started with blogs, short stories, and I started a website. Now, when it came time to title the website, I couldn't call it Danny Marr, www.dannymarr.com, because I was still an active-duty Marine captain. So I was like, all right. They I do frown on that. They do frown on that, especially yeah. the kind of stories I was writing. And I'm like, well, my Facebook name is Donnie O'Malley. It was a nickname a buddy gave me at a, a theme party that I threw on a Carnival cruise uh, the year before I joined the Marine Corps. And so I'm like, Donnie O'Malley is a fucking sick name. And from the name, you could almost imagine that my personality is exactly what it is. So I called it DonnieMalley.com. I started publishing the blogs underneath that. And I developed, a, I grew a very small audience. I mean, I'm talking, I'm checking the website views. There's like two a day mm -hmm. and five. And I'm, oh, I got 15 today. I wonder why. And um, ever since then, Donnie O'Malley has stuck, especially because, so I published a book first, Embarrassing Confessions of a Marine Lieutenant, under that name. And I changed almost all the names in the book because I didn't, um, you know, I was speaking about some people not in the, in the best way. And I, I was going to keep it real, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need to use the names. So it, it, it worked. <clears throat> then I, st I started the Silky's Hikes mm -hmm. um, just because I wanted to get a bunch of the guys I went to Afghan with together to have a good time. And, um, and those things kind of just blew up all over the country. Th I think that's where you, you popped onto my radar for the first time. Thinking back, you were the Silky's Hike guy. Yeah. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't at that point. I had been I had been doing Ranger Up for so long that it like new blogs and stuff were not that wasn't like I wasn't really keying in on that. But I like all of a sudden there was this character doing the Silky's hikes, and I thought that was your whole thing. Like I thought mm -hmm. you were the guy that was selling the rucks and everything back then. Oh wow! So that was the impression. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. No, I honestly I was just trying to throw a party for my friends. Yeah. Did a good one. Yeah. And then I created a, um, a blog post 
that made it easy for others to replicate that party. And I described, this is how I did it. Because people kept asking me, hey, can you do one in my city? I'm like, I can't do it for you, but I'll tell you how I did it. So I made it easy. Mm. And they literally copied and pasted my original event and some of the blog that I wrote into their events. So now all of, like, I already had standardization across the country because they're just copying and pasting mine. And so, the, like, the intent of it and, you know, the conduct of it, is, it was the same for all these events. It was not a nonprofit. Um, I never wanted to start a nonprofit, which is f- funny. Yeah. Um, and I, people it, it w- invited me to join their hikes. And so I'm like, well, I'm retired. I have a pension. And this is something that I can't say no to. And so I started showing up, flying across the country, meeting these, these guys, and men and women, who were just raising their hand in their city and said, hey, I'm going to do a hike. Who wants to come? So they, they, they were true leaders in their communities, bringing veterans together anywhere between 30 to the biggest was like 600 and something in Austin, Texas, in the first season. And so I'm meeting all of them, and mm. I'm making connections, and I'm meeting the veterans of our community. I'm meeting people outside of the infantry MOS, which prior to that, I didn't know anyone who wasn't a grunt. Yep. So now I'm meeting every MOS you could think of in every branch of service, and I'm asking them. That's how I met people at these hikes. Was I, I wouldn't say their name. I'd say, what's going on? What was your branch in MOS? That's how I was the Army, Motor T. No way. Tell me about that. They'd tell me their funny stories, and you know they, they almost always gave me you funny weren't You stories. weren't like... Oh yeah, well I was fucking infantry. No, no, I wouldn't tell them because a lot of times if I if I if you know yeah, if I, I came know. out with that you know they'd be like yeah. mm, you know. I was I was joking. Yeah, yeah. No, it, no. It's always weird to me when people do that. Like, yeah, they're it's obnoxious. They're really you really should appreciate anybody that served. One hundred percent. Because there's always someone cooler than you too. Yeah. So if you start down that path, it never ends well in the long term. You know, but but also like when you get out, you really you know you sh- really realize how good you had it. having veterans around you a hundred percent you know i've told this story before but um my dad you know he he doesn't talk about the military doesn't talk about being a veteran doesn't talk about vietnam and uh you never i I never thought of him as like a military guy but um when we did range 15 and you know my mom and my dad came out to watch it you know as as a no matter how old you get they're still your parents. And I'm like, Oh man, like <laughs> this is, this, this is such a inappropriate movie. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I'm sitting next to them, they're watching it. And, and I look over and both my mom and my dad are laughing like the whole time. Nice. The comment and, and my dad, uh, he got to sit, um, he got to sit with, uh, uh, some medal of honor recipients who were incredibly good to him. And, and that was a huge deal for him. And, um, uh, Clint Romache in particular oh, yeah. was, was just a, a, a stellar such dude. A humble guy. Such a humble guy. Yeah. But um, at the end of it, you know, he was like, you know, I forgot what it was like to be around a group of veterans. And even though mm. this is a totally different generation, it felt the same. Mm. And I thought that was like a really nice kind of moment. And, um, and you also realize that, you know, dad must have lived through all the same kind of stupid mm-hmm. humor that, that, uh, you know, exists in, you know, our generation and, yeah. you know, and so forth. So, or the, I mean, their humor might've been a lot darker. Probably darker, probably way darker. You <laughs> just Vietnam. look at all the lighters that came out of Vietnam and you're like, ah, this is a pretty dark. Time. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, that's what we hope. That's what we do. That feeling of 
being around a bunch of other veterans and just yeah. feeling good. That's so what every silk is like does. So your star starts to rise. People know who you are. Like mm-hmm. I, you started to pop up on things. Mm-hmm. I had no, I had no social media following back then. None. Yeah, but but you were. It was in, it was all but you in were, person. But you fl- you floated in and out of other people's shit. Sure. There's a lot of press. A lot of like news. I knew who you were, even though you weren't like reaching out or anything like that. Like you were a known quantity. When did that when did that turn into what is now Vet TV? Um, good question. So <clears throat> after doing running the nonprofit for like a year, I was brutally burnt out because it's it was all volunteer. Yeah, and it and was my tough. money. So after uh, running Irreverent Warriors for uh, about a year, I was really burnt out and. I'm kind of reassessing my life. And I'm like, all right. I set out on a, with the goal to create a production company that told the stories of my family. Mm-hmm. Writing was the path to get there. I published a book. And I did the nonprofit like a month after I published the book. And what, was the book what was the book titled? The book was called Embarrassing Confessions of a Marine Lieutenant. How did that do? Um, so... I was number one in every category on Amazon. I self-published. I didn't get no following whatsoever. Yep. I was number one in every category uh, from mili- so Afghan war, uh, military history, history, nonfiction. I had the one in Afghan war for like a couple months. And then I got all the way up to number four in humor on Amazon. My competition was Tina Fey and Aziz Ansari. That's pretty awesome. Now, it was one day. But hey, I screenshotted hey, that shit. So what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. No social media following, right? That's awesome. And um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So it's hard for me to total the total sales because of um, I, I did. Um, what's that thing on Amazon where the Kindle Unlimited? Yep. Um, but I think I made three thousand dollars in <laughs> less than two months. And that, and y'all <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> but you should have been paid so much more than that for selling that many books. Uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how many it was, but there's yeah. a few months where I made three yeah. grand, and I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah. And again, no real marketing. Yep. So, um, but and also here's the other thing too is that a month later I did that first silky psych, and I thought that it might seem weird if I wrote a book. And then I'm going to all of these Silky Psych events. Um, and then that eventually turned into a nonprofit. So I'm very, I'm very, very glad. I didn't talk about the book after that first month. Be, some people would, would like happen to find it, but I never talked about it. I didn't take it with me to the hikes or anything. Cause Why I, though? Because I didn't you, want you didn't to want seem people to like think that you were doing it as a book tour. Correct. Correct. I didn't Isn't want that. Isn't it crazy though that in our community you have to worry about literally everything because there's already been like three things on this interview where you were like just to be clear i was never shot <laughs> i just hurt my ankle because yeah. like you're you're literally i know i mean I've, I've i've done the same thing you're gaming like people that are gonna assume yeah. something and yeah but it's all it's, it's self-imposed because i think what would i think if i saw someone doing that because i can be a little bit of, a, of you're an a little oh you're a little bit of a bitch when yeah. it comes to that kind of stuff and too. i'd be like yeah. Was this guy doing a f- started nonprofit and market his book? That's what I would have thought. So I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know? I'm gonna keep my book secret. I'll show everybody. 
So that's self-imposed. That's on me. That's my doing. Um, and but uh, in the long run, it worked out because um, because the nonprofit is ginormous now. Uh, do you still do anything with it? Uh, chairman of the board. Uh, so I don't. So something. Something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Um, I'm not involved in like day-to-day operations, but I'm two of the closest people in my life are Cindy McNally, the president of Reverend Warriors, mm-hmm. and Nate McDonald, the vice president. Awesome. Um, just two of the best human beings I've ever met, and so fortunate. Other than Dan here. Other than Big Dan, obviously. Yeah. Other than Dan the man. Absolutely. And so um, they uh, they believed wholeheartedly into in the mission and the um, the method of, by which we build community and try to improve mental health and prevent suicide. They believed in it, and they took it and ran with it farther and better than I could have myself. So or walked with it as you, walked as, as you will. Yeah. Or danced with it. <laughs> or, da- or danced with it. Or danced with it. Um, so after doing it for a year, I was burnt out. I'm like, all right, I'd set out with this goal. I never marketed my book. Let me market my book like an author should. Yep. And I thought, well, the best way I can market this thing is to make a video. And I thought, what video, what, what could I make? Well, all I like is comedy. The book is comedy. Let me make a comedy. And... Um, so I made a parody of Dave Chappelle's, not a parody, it was a ripoff of Dave Chappelle's sketch, The Black White Supremacist. Mm-hmm. Chappelle Show season one, right? Classic. Okay. A satire? I remember. Satire. This. Yes. I remember this. I'm sorry. It right. is a satire of I remember this. the issue of women in the infantry. Mm-hmm. So it's satirizing that issue. Yes. And the, the, the sketch was based on a tryout that I did for Duffel Block that was ne- no one even responded to me. And one of my headlines was, first woman to You graduate. hear that, Duffel Block? <laughs> you blew it! Um, no, now Duffel, I'm grateful. Now Duffel Block's trying to, you know, do video and... Are they? I, I, I want to work with them. I'm every, almost every Duffel Block um, essay article that I read Makes me laugh out loud. Uh, they're so they, they do a great fucking brilliant. Yeah, I want to work with them so bad. Paul built a great thing. He's, uh, he's brilliant. Yeah, he is very sharp. And um, so, anyways, it, w- it said a uh, first woman to graduate infantry officer course discovered to have penis. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote the five hundred words. Yeah, no response. Um, I think Paul was ahead of his time in, uh, in knowing, knowing where the line was. <laughs> 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 Me, not so much. <laughs> and so um, I made a sketch very similar to Chappelle's Black White Supremacist based on that premise and re- released it, shot it with the f- some f- friends I had around. F- um, buddy had the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I acted in it, and wrote the, the script, had it, you know, just friends coming together to yeah, make yeah. stuff, and it went viral day one. Viral at that time was maybe three hundred thousand views on the first day. Yeah, old school viral. Old school. When viral. things were real and pure. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I and miss those days. I know. I miss those days. And that was with no following. I know. Yeah, you could you could make good content, and it could get a couple million. See it. It's like, hey, just knocked out a couple million views, and <laughs> life is good. Now it's like, you know, perfectly shot, hilarious, and you're like. I got 3,000 views in the first day. That's a, that's a good start. You know, maybe I'll boost it. You know, like it's just yeah, different times. It's painful. It is. So that went viral, and I thought, whoa, I did not expect that. Yep. And then based on the response and reading the comments, I'm like, okay, well, 
maybe I'm a better filmmaker than I thought I would be at this stage in the game. I figured, you know, maybe five years of doing this, I'd get okay. Mm -hmm. like, all right, well, I've, I've got something. I think it was because I spent a lot of time practicing editing music videos prior to mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. learning how to organize Ed my files. Editing goes a long way. Editing is Editing key. goes a long way. Like, you know, I... My, the first thing I ever edited was VHS to VHS. It was like a wrestling, a wrestling montage video from my team. Uh -huh. But um, I, I did a shitload of editing, actually, when I was in business school. Oh, wow. So that's how I, how I started really getting passionate about this stuff. So I, um, there was a, a quarterly show that was like a business school Saturday Night Live called FuquaVision. And it used to be completely, you know, uh, up to the students and the faculty weren't involved and nobody had to sign off on anything until uh, me and my friends were involved. And then after our our last year there, they made a rule <laughs> that from then on out, the show had to be approved ahead yeah. of time before it nice. went because uh, we crossed a lot of lines. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was like Adobe. I'm old. So that was like Adobe Premiere. Oh, yeah. Like one. Oh, yeah. Like it was the horse that was running. <laughs> I don't know if you even. There was a horse that used to run when you were. Uh, do, when you were rendering. <laughs> it was just like a, you know, yeah. just kept running. Slow gallop. You know, and if it, if it froze, you knew you were screwed and you were going to have to start over again. Music videos is a, gr is a great way to learn. I did almost exclusively, when I was in film school, like, and started shooting outside, I was like, I need to practice directing and practice, like, actually doing. It was all music videos. Yeah. And, and that's, like, a great way to practice, you know, different stuff with editing. And then, and then I was like, all right, now I don't want people to just, like, sing i want to like tell a story in music yeah. videos then you start practicing narrative and and but understand it editing when you're shooting and you can shoot for the edit is yes. but i i had like no formal training you had no formal training but the thing is that when you're editing you realize what you need yes yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. it's like whereas if you don't if you don't ever at people that just shoot and they, they yep. haven't really edited sometimes they don't shoot what you need they shoot what they think you need yep. and mm -hmm. it's like now nah, i need that like you can you can overshoot and still not shoot what you need. That's but right. But if you if you really you know get understand the editing, you can shoot less and still shoot what you you know yep. you shoot for the edit. And yep. that can be helpful. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, we just took over there. No <laughs> we just <laughs> went on our own little, little our own little journey we right here. Excited. Let's, all get, let's get relived. Let's get let's get back to your journey. So <laughs> so you you're the greatest editor ever. Is yeah. what we just <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good enough to put the comedy together. Just good enough. Um, so then I thought, okay, well, some of these YouTube I can't videos see through the dark, but I think Hollywood's rolling his eyes at all of us right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is like, yes, he is. Ho Hollywood's like, all of you suck. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I do. I speak for me. Yeah. Should, we, should we acknowledge that we have Mike Levine in the background here? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no. yeah, Mike right. Levine's in the background. Mike Levine. If his pretty face was in yeah, this thing, it'd <laughs> be too good looking. Really pump it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so making it into this. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so, I, you, so you start make you start cutting some videos. Too. So I make videos, yeah. and then the, the next one, I was called a parody of frustration, and that was about a marine lieutenant giving uh, an order in combat in Afghanistan, and you know, I, it was satirical. Um, it should have been a satire of frustration, but in any case, uh, that hit, it landed with the target because my target was infantrymen who have been to combat. I didn't give a shit if anyone else 
I didn't give a shit if anyone else liked what I was making. Yep. Except infantrymen yeah. up into combat, mm -hmm. which was how I wrote my book. Mm -hmm. And I said in the beginning of the book, if you are not an infantryman who has been to combat, I don't give a fuck if you read this. And there's a good chance you might not like this. Um, but if you like, uh, you know, dark comedy, and you want to know what it's like, or at least from my perspective, then hope you enjoy it. Yep. So that's how I've always created with that in mind. And, um, and so that video nailed it. Did one more about a, a lieutenant walking up on his Marine jerking off so, on post. So it's, it's interesting because what you just said there, even though, you know, you weren't thinking about it like this, but I, you know, I, we consult and work with a lot of brands and organizations. And uh, one of the, the big beliefs that I have is that people only buy their first choice. And so if you are not Walmart or Target, where you literally have everything, and you, you can't be generic, you can't, when, when I talk to a company and I ask them who their customer is, and they say, everyone, our product's for everyone, I, I'm like, let's let's stop right here. It's not, right? You're not Walmart. You're not Target. You're not Amazon. Everyone is not going to you because everyone is going to go the places that are convenient and cheap. Mm. You have to have a connection, an emotional connection with people, or you're not going to sell to it. Well, but if we just focus on so-and-so, then we're not going to. You have to own somebody. You have to be somebody's first choice mm. in order to sell to anyone. And so, you know, as an Italian, I like to work life lessons into things. So <laughs> there's my life lesson. Nice. You have to be someone's first choice. There Please continue. <laughs> um, so I, I, I was trying to be consistent doing one a week. Yep. And it's hard. It worked. It it's was hard. hard. It's hard. But it worked, especially because it's it sounds like here. It sounds like nothing, right? It sounds like, oh, yeah, let's do a video every week. That's a lot of work. No, because you're putting. The, I'm, I'm writing the script. Got to write I'm, it. I'm seeing who can show up on Saturday. Yep. To go do this thing. What do I need for props? Where are we going to shoot it? Uh huh. Uh -huh. You know, I'm in it. So who's shooting it? Uh -huh. You know, like all of it. Some of them, I, I set two cameras up and I hit record, check the logs, and then jumped in the frame. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, ended up building a following of forty thousand on Facebook mm -hmm. in um I think a month's time. That's pretty good. That's and pretty good. That was f now I have some presence somewhere. No Instagram, and I th a little YouTube. But hit forty k on Facebook, and then at some point, it's two two months later maybe, some I saw multiple people in the comments of multiple videos said, I would pay for this shit, and so I DM'd them, Yo, tell what do you, what do you mean you pay? How much would you pay? And they're trying to figure it out. They're like, w What I took from it was. Um, no one is making stuff like this. There's other people making military comedy. And the military comedy was primarily Ranger Up, Matt Best, Drew Hernandez, Yusha Thomas. Maybe a little bit of John Burke back then. He's, he's always gone between comedy and serious. And so they were all doing um, funny stuff, but they hadn't done it in the way that I had done it. Yeah, you went, you crossed another line. So like, you know, I'll speak, you know, Ranger Up did a lot of, we did a lot of comedy, but it was, it was palatable to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. And then I think Matt Best took it farther. Mm -hmm. uh, Yusha didn't, I don't think he took it farther, but he went in a different direction. Yeah. Drew also went in a different direction. He was every character. Yep. Um, but you guys came out and you guys like 
threw the line away. Like there is no line. You just, I mean, that, that's what I remember. That's how I was like, Oh fuck. They just went for it. it. (laughs) They went there. Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, you guys went dark. Yeah. And this is this is from, you know, a guy that was one of the writers on Range 15, which was dark. But yeah. you guys went, you guys were like, you know, that's dark. That's not even dark. That's like milk chocolate. You know, <laughs> it's black. you know, we're going we're going we're going full cacao. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you worked it in. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Um, part of the so so that that then sent me down a rabbit hole of. How do I make money selling videos? Yep. Because I'm like, all right, well, I don't have a job. I'm doing this nonprofit thing that's killing me. And book sales are not that hot because by then, you know, there's maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Um, yeah, it dies off. <clears throat> Even if the book's crushing it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, how, how can I make money selling videos? Through the research, it was, you know, build a website that was going to cost a hundred, couple hundred grand to distribute myself or sell on Amazon. Amazon would take at least 50%. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to sell a five-minute video for more than a dollar. So they're taking 50%. Now my volume needs to be stupid high for me to really have any cash. Well, that's not the move. I ended up coming across this thing, a network called Black and Sexy TV, um, that was um, the, the verbiage on the website said, we believe that um, black entertainment has been watered down by Warner Brothers, Tyler Perry, and BET. It's been watered down. We don't think it accurately reflects the young black experience in America. So we started Black and Sexy TV to do that, to serve that need. Mm-hmm. And I thought, just change the word black with veteran, and that's what I got to start. Veteran and sexy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I, I became. I'm still subscribed. But you shortened veter- You short. He shortened veteran and sexy TV just to vet TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and use the same yeah. platform they did, which there's no upfront cost. They distribute it. All you got to do is upload, and they take a cut of, of your monthly subscription sales. Hmm. I was like, okay, no upfront cost. That's it. That's the way to sell. That's the way to distribute. So I started putting together the idea, and I went and I trademarked it first, before I went to Jared Taylor, because I remember thinking to myself. How have, how have these guys not started this? Like, this is, like, it just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. A television network that is for us, by us. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. And I saw that they had, you, well, all of you guys had done Range 15, but I had a relationship with him back then. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know you back I then. don't take offense. Jared is the ultimate. I've never met a person that connects more people. I know. Than he's Jared in, Taylor. He's incredible. I mean, he's incredible. Like, and he, his... His ability to not give a fuck. I know. <laughs> this is inspiring. Like, he really doesn't care. No. Like, because before, you know, it, it's easy now. People are like, oh, yeah, of course he knows so-and-so. And I'm like, he knew so-and-so when he was, like, living in a garage. Mm-hmm. He'll call anyone yes. and somehow convince them that they need to work with him. Yeah. And it's 100%. like, you know, where's your studio? Oh, I'm, it's, in, it's in my mom's garage, you know, uh-huh. but like come out here and film. And they do. And he's out there with like a celebrity. Like he's, he's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing in that regard. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. So, so yes, I do not take offense that you reached out to Jared. Taylor. Him and not you. Yeah. <clears throat> but I saw a range of teen and I thought, do you know, Jared and I have the same birthday? Oh, no way. Like 10 years apart. Though. What, what is it? March 18th. March 18th. Okay. He, uh, I saw that. Range 15 raised over a million dollars yeah. on Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Jesus Christ. If these guys can raise over a million these clowns, dollars for one movie. If these idiots. I can raise at least 250 grand for a whole television network. Mm-hmm. 
right? The concept has got to hit, even though I didn't have the marketing that all of everyone, I'm like, the concept is good. I know it is. And then once I trademarked it, I went to him and he, and I pitched it to him. And he's like, dude, that sounds fucking super cool, man. Like, it's a great idea, but starting a television, that's hard, man. And he went through all the things. Oh, you got to do this and 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 this. And he was like, so, I mean, uh, yeah, if you, you know, let, let me know how it's going if you need help. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta run with this thing. And then went, went did the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And um, they all, the, all of them, they let me announce the Kickstarter in the old Drinking Bros group back in the day. Yeah, I remember. Which they, they that was not yeah. a thing for anyone yeah, back then. Yeah, I remember. They let me do that, which was so incredibly huge. Yep. Um, and, uh, and then we raised 300 grand. And then the rest is history. And then it's been it's just this brutal grind trying to make <laughs> payroll. That's the spirit. It's hard. And trying the, to make the television shows. Starting a business is really exciting. It gets real the first time you hire someone. <laughs> I know. You first full-time employee, your life is the never the same. The first time you hire someone, it'll, it'll never be the same. Yeah. And I love it. I, I will say, like, I love having employees. That being said... My wife started a business, like, as a consultant, uh, like, four months ago. And her rule is, like, I will have no employees. If once I reach my personal capacity, like, I will just simply Re- not have it. out. She's, she's killing it. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. She's killing it. She's good. She's really good. But, all, but she also, uh, like, she's very structured. So I'm like, so what are you going to do now that you're, like, you know, close to capacity? Nothing. I'm, I'm good. And, I'm, and, and I, like, I don't have that in me. I'm like, all right, looks like we got we to gotta scale this thing, yeah. you know. Um, but you know the deal, man. When, when things are fat, it's great. But every single business, I don't care, I don't care who you are, you're, there's highs and there's lows. And when it's low and you got to make payroll, nothing is more stressful. It, it, was, a, it was a brutal run. And uh, it was made more brutal by the fact that we had to create a new product every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A television show. A yeah. bunch of people have never made television shows before. Yeah. Got to make, and, and we market it. Yep. And we and, distribute it. And talk a little bit about that. Because, you know, I could sit here and, and talk about how hard it was to make Just Range 15, which is, you know, was a 16-day, a you know, signi- I mean, but years of prep coming up to that 16 days yeah talk about how hard it is doing that to actually times. shoot to write shoot edit and deliver a tv show talk about just give people some idea of what that looks like because the the impression people have of what it means to film a tv show is like oh you just get up and deliver lines you know it, it they don't know the moving pieces um, I mean, it starts with the pitch process when everyone has a good idea. Yeah. Everyone. Everybody. And since the start of the company, the whole premise was that we're going to come to you, the audience, for ideas. Mm-hmm. We will shape these ideas together yep. because this is for you. Yeah. And so now, you know, and within my company, we got tons of ideas. Then the audience has given us way more and often better. 
and then now we got to whittle those ideas down so we had a process you're gonna break hearts oh i mean the you're amount gonna, of people are gonna get you know because you got you already have a community that is very confident the veteran community yeah. then you have the fact that they're veteran creatives creatives are very very special people <laughs> you know we we take great care to hire thick-skinned people here because I can't I I truly cannot handle 95% of creatives and dealing with their emotional breakdowns (laughs) (laughs) no Dan back back me up on this in your interview like I told I I told you like hey um, if you have something that sucks I'm gonna tell you like it sucks because I don't have time (laughs) I don't have time to sandwich it and like a positive like hey you really did a nice job but like like i have to just tell you and i also but i also i expect people to tell me when my ideas suck well and you also tell us when it's good it's like yeah, I it's mean, not yeah, just yeah. like the only feedback <laughs> it's like you know but like but some people are like the, the, yeah, the only time yeah. you get feedback is when it's negative you know and it's like yeah. it's nice that then you really know the person's being honest with you because they tell you it's good and they also tell you it's it's not good you know but we have but. people that you can't even say you know, you didn't quite do this quite right. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Not here. Not working here. No. They oh. wouldn't last here. No. Oh, yeah. We have an extensive uh, interview process. Nice. That includes a test. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, we deliver footage. Like, they're like we're like, hey, give me uh, a six-hour window when you're available. We will pay you $20 an hour for your time. We will deliver footage. You have to cut a commercial out of that footage and anything else you want to add to it. That's fucking brilliant. And uh, most people take the test. What's that? I said most Fuck people you, take Dan. the test. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Dan is our only employee that we didn't make take the test because I was so impressed with his. We, we were. Well, I mean, I, I'm saying I was very impressed with it. You were as well. We had a conversation. And we took a risk. <laughs> it's so been a good fit. paid off. It's been a good fit. Paid off. Except for the the incident. We won't talk about the incident. Imagine a media agency that can make a documentary that qualifies for Academy Award voting. Imagine another that created a billboard charting music video for Five for Fighting. Imagine another that has raised so much money for nonprofits in its first year working on the Classy.org platform that at the end of the year, it was named as only the second marketing partner in Classy's history. Imagine another firm that can cover your events anywhere on planet Earth and provide a compelling series of videos about those events immediately and to your needs. And imagine another still that can help your e-commerce business take it to the next level. Now imagine that they're all the same business. Diesel Jack Media. Some of you might be saying, hey, Nick, isn't that your company? And to that I answer, can a company like Diesel Jack Media really be owned? Or can it merely be coaxed out like a beautiful butterfly on a spring day? As you listen to this podcast that, by the way, Diesel Jack Media created, you may be asking yourself, what's our secret? It's simple. We try not to suck. Sounds easy, right? It should be. But somehow, marketing companies and media agencies always seem to get it wrong. You see, we don't make PowerPoints about doing work. We do the work because we like the work. And if one of our ideas doesn't work, you know what we do? We try another one again and again and again until our ideas start to work. 
because not quitting until it's right is at the heart of not sucking. And as previously mentioned, that's what we try not to do here. Diesel Jack Media, we try not to suck. Visit us at dieseljackmedia.com. That is dieseljackmedia.com. Uh, where was I? Oh, the filmmaking process? Show. Oh, yeah. So you got the pitches. Yep. Then you got to whittle the pitches down to a treatment. Yep. And then you got to decide on a treatment. And that goes back and forth a million times. And just a lot of stuff you got to include in, in the treatment that, you know, you just, it's so hard to get right the first time, especially when you're first time screenwriters. Yeah. And you agree on the treatment, you write a pilot, or at least some of the writers write the pilot, and then everyone reads the pilot, and then they got to be like, oh, this is fucking good, let's send the rest of the show, or like, ah, you know, one writer has a million notes, and, you know, we're like, oh, damn it, we thought this was good, and then we read the notes, and we're like, damn, she's right, mm-hmm. <laughs> those are good mm-hmm. notes, these things need to be changed, mm-hmm. so then we go back, we change those things, so then we got to change the treatment, so the treatment needs to accurately reflect what we expect to be written, and then we greenlight the writing of the show, and then it's a bunch of new writers writing a show, and that's a really hard process, and that takes months, and then um, deadlines are constantly being blown, and um, notes are, you know, things are constantly changing, and then finally, it's like, well, we have already acknowledged the date this is going to air, <laughs> right? When we greenlit the treatment, we're saying this is airing on this date, yeah. so that means it's shooting on this date so that it can start getting edited by this date. Mm-hmm. So we know it's being shot. So now as the script is being finished, the production team is now finding locations in Riverside and L.A. They're starting to cast. We're, we'll, we'll cast before the script is complete. And so now we're um, setting up the casting calls. Um, we used to go out of space, space something, space center casting in, in uh, Hollywood, and fond memories of that place. Um, and then, so it would, it would be up online, and then we would do the in-person auditions, and then we're taking notes, and we're in the casting. Um, it's like we're in the room for 10 hours, myself and a couple other people. I directed the first couple shows, but then I would try to be in the room with the director, whoever was the director of the next um, whatever show it was. Because mm-hmm. um, the casting is so important to nail. The audience needs to see that person and be like, that looks exactly like this guy I served with in my squad. That was exactly like my gunny, your master sergeant, or my top, you know? And so you have to nail that. And sometimes if I've got a director who was in the Navy, they don't know Marine, it's like, well, I want to be in the room during the casting process just in case. Um, and so now we're going through casting and finishing the script at the same time, and the production team is saying, okay, I need to mail the script out to the actors right now and to the production designer because they need to buy all this shit. And uh, the, the, the DP wants to see the script and say, okay, well, it's a draft. Well, he doesn't want to read it till it's done. Well, tell him he, he probably should read it before it's done to have some idea. And then, um, you know, it's like we're racing. We're writing up until the day that we're shooting. And then we start shooting. And then it's fucking balls to the wall 16 hours a day, stuffing the entire cast and crew into one ginormous Airbnb in Riverside or L.A. And then finally we have to... Sp- it needed to be two Airbnbs. And then, um, you know, it's like we go, we're shooting as, as fast as we can, um, anywhere between 10 and 15 pages a day, which is just stupid. And then um, and then at night, we're going and we're meeting in the Airbnb and we're fixing the script for the next day if need be, depending on what happened with the actors or how the sets are getting fucked up or not completed. Oh, the set's not going to be ready, so we can't shoot this. Well, the scene, we... 
we know we needed some tweaks, so we got to tweak it tonight, and then let's get the actors in here to start rehearsing. So you're rehearsing, and then sometimes I'm acting, so I'm, I'm, I got my lines playing in my headphones as I'm fucking making dinner and shit, and then I'm rehearsing with an actor, and then, you know, maybe getting four hours of sleep and then doing it all again for another 16 hours um, for a month, and then for three years. And then you're looking at a guy that's been burnt out <laughs> fucking yeah. brutally. Yeah. Um, Can you step back a little? I have. Oh, I have a ton. I have a fucking ton. But I mean step ton. back from, like, let people run run some of the shows. Oh, yeah. It, it, it wasn't like that all, all the time. There were some shows where I barely stepped on set. I would, I would say if I wasn't directing it, I made a point to, like, be there day one. Any 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 show, and then I'll pop and then pop in and out, and then pop in and out, right? And there were some I think I, I no, nah, I always came back, I always popped in, but but that was it. It was like no, it's your set. Like once it, once the director steps on set, it, it's theirs. All, all, everything that I was talking about, I was speaking this is for er, myself. This is early years, and but also speaking for the other directors. Yeah, that, that's what they're doing. They yep. are meeting with the actors. Yep. at late at night, and the director of photography, they're talking about the set. And, you know, they got some videos from the set that day and they're drawing and kind of storyboarding shit and they got a graph, you know, you know, so it's not just me. It's whoever is the director is going through that. Um, but the whole production team is working hard. I mean, you got guys going on runs to the store to buy shit up until fucking one in the morning for the next day. Yep. Um, uh, so, so in any case, yeah, whoever is the director is, is putting the weight of that show on their shoulders. And then... You get everything in the can at the end of two weeks, and you hope that nothing got massively fucked up, which, I mean, looking back on it, it's a miracle that there were not things that crushed the production. Because there yeah. are, I mean, if your main actor gets in a car wreck, or your main actor's mother gets sick, they're out. Yeah. Now you've now, now you got you know two weeks of shooting left, and you don't have your main actor? That means you're done. You shut down. If that had happened, it could have crushed the company. But I mean, I think with Vet TV, you could have been like, We've tur- you know, we've changed actors. Like I think you could have. I would have never wanted to do that. No way. I would. I. I. The. The. You know. The expectation for us is that you feel like you're watching TV. Yeah. Now you know it's, the quality hasn't always been Netflix, but it I feels mean, like you're watching. I mean, they TV changed show. Aunt Viv. That you can probably <laughs> change. What they changed on Aunt Viv. Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was between sweet seasons. What's that? Yeah. That was between seasons. It was. It was. True. It was all in it the was. middle. It was. You know, I'm we, just messing We shoot around. for two to four weeks. I'm messing around. Okay. okay. I'm glad no one died on their way to yeah. set. <laughs> but any, any, there's so many little things could happen that yeah. could have ruined a production. Yeah. And then that would have, that would have fucked the company hard. Yep. Um, could have put us under. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, then once, once you get done with that, now you're in the editing process. And now it's the editor and the director are in the bay nonstop driving for, until yep. whatever is the deadline to release it. And then you got the rest of the marketing team that's like, hey, I, I need more marketing copy for this email, and I need the social media copy, and, um, and these images are not good. We told you we needed images of this standard. Yeah. We didn't get it. And the director's like, I don't have time to deal with that. I don't have time I to deal with marketing. The editing I'm trying day. to make this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but our directors have always done it all. They've always done it. I mean, we got over 20 shows. Yep. Um, some of them, uh, him have uh, multiple seasons over 20 shows and I only directed like four or five of them so the rest is other directors and they shouldered all the shit all the way up until distribution and then you know we upload it to our platform and then we give it a watch on the platform we're like the sound is off how the fuck did that happen 
You know, it's, it's already up. We already sent the push notification subscribers on the app. Well, fucking re-upload it. We, we, yeah. You know, so, oh, it's always this. So it's been, um, it's been, you know, a, it's been a, dr- a drive. It's been a grind. <laughs> you enjoyed it? Um, most of it. Some of it is, is just. Well, there's nothing that you're going to fully enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. I'll tell you what, the Hollywood back there, when we were on the set of Range 15, uh, and Range 15 was a blast to make. It was miserable leading up to it. Uh, and it was miserable after it. But you on know? set, the camaraderie but is unmatched. on set. He's And he said, on set. And we didn't know each other that well. He said, on, he said on set, he's like, I want you to enjoy this moment because you're never going to have this moment again. Yeah. Because you're all going to leave here and some people are their stars are going to rise and some people are going to fade away and so and and you know e- even if you do a sequel it will it will not be in, with the same people the group will be different mm. and sure enough if you think about you know what's occurred yeah. like you know black rifle coffee is now a, a multi-billion dollar endeavor and <sighs> you know like you know um it, it's it's he was right you yeah. know and it but it was a magical moment in time and it, it it feels great but then when you leave there the grinds it doesn't it's not over because you shot it now the intensity increases because now it's a ticking clock yeah we got to hit the date yeah we got to hit the date oh shit we don't have it well we don't have money to reshoot it so this is what we have <laughs> yeah. so uh, a range 15 story we uh we still had to pay for music and when the when we were done filming the the show had gone like 200 some odd thousand dollars over budget but it wasn't due yet and ross was like nick is there any way you can come up with this and i was like how am i gonna you know how am i gonna do that now and um i went and found sponsors but we had already shot it so um, oh, I remember the scenes. We built we built a whole a whole wall uh, uh, for like the armory. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that scene. And we brought on you know so like we had already shot it with these guns, but then we introduced uh, you know uh, Palmetto State Defense, and we did another th- with another sponsor where we actually threw caps in, and you know they were all lit up, and we shot them, and it, it fit it fit in the movie, but. You know, that's how we literally paid the bills that were that open. Makes, that makes sense now. You know? Because I remember thinking, oh, man, this scene is dragging a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now I see why. <laughs> do what you got to do, man. Whatever, it, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> and that's how we got What a Wonderful World. <laughs> in the Oh, the song. Mm-hmm. How much did that cost? Are you allowed to say? Yeah. Yeah, that song was 50 grand. Wow. But I wrote, I wrote that scene, a zombie killing scene to that song, mm-hmm. when I was 13 years old. Oh, wow. So I really wanted it. That's, That's why Ross was like, if you really want it, you go find, find us some money. <laughs> That's so sick. That's great. So you go from, you know, Marine officer to this completely different world. And I know transitioning is important to you. And it, it started with, um, you know, the hikes mm-hmm. and then Vet TV. And you also have other things that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. 
how do you successfully transition? Um, I mean. Because it's hard. I don't care who you are. You could be the dude that hates them, that's always bitching when you're in the military. Mm-hmm. When you get out, tribe's gone, mission's gone. Yeah. Suddenly, you're not who you've been saying you are yeah. for, whether it's four years or 20 years. Yeah. I think, um, I think you need to develop and refine your approach to your own life. By that I mean the military. Um, when you are in the military, you are fitting into a system that mm-hmm. can't exist without you. Mm-hmm. And the system is pretty simple. And you know, it's if you, I mean, if you're bare, barely, um, barely able to forage for food you can survive the military system for at least four years. And um, when you get out, you now, you're not fitting into a system. Yeah. Right? And so your approach to life, instead of, instead of trying to fit in, I think you need to approach your life like it, your life is something you're going to create. You're going to create your world and your system. You're going to create whatever life you want for yourself. And I think if, if the individual veteran can understand that they now have a power that they didn't have in the military, they have the power to create whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And the playing field for the world has been equalized with YouTube and Google. So you can learn anything you want to learn. And as long as you are willing, as long as you have the belief that you can create the life that you want, you now have the ability to. It just takes a work ethic. And um, that, I think, is one of the most important things. Right? In the military, at least in the infantry, a lot of guys were fueled by the emotions or the thoughts of hate and destruction. I remember guys in the Quran saying all the time, you know, like, you, you need something? I, f- I forget how it went, but I remember guys saying, no, all I need is some nicotine and hate, and I'm good. Maybe some caffeine. Yeah, nicotine, caffeine, and hate, and I'm fucking set, right? And so we become accustomed to this idea of hate, and then what are we doing in the grunts? We are destroying. Yep. That's our job, is to destroy in the name of the United States to teach others not to fuck with us and make sure that people can live incredible. We, we want Americans to lead the best lives possible. And uh, so grunts got to be like that. But when you get out of that, Instead of living with hate, you should live with love because that emotion is, is, is innate to a human being. And when you think about love, I think that word, everyone just thinks, if it, you know, for straight guys, it's the loving a woman. But it's like, no, there's love everywhere. There's love for your friend. There's love for your parents. There's love mm-hmm. for your siblings, your yeah. cousins. There's just love for other veterans, love for people of your community. And there are some people who just love everyone, or at least mm-hmm. want to love everyone. Yeah. There's love for the environment, for the earth, for this river. We're getting deep right now. Right? right. We're getting deep. Right? So I kind of want to strip down and go for a swim, you know? You know I'm game. Just let, let, <laughs> let Gaia, you know, have her way with me, you know? <laughs> we should be having this talk <laughs> in the lake. 
We should. And we're an all white. Yeah, we'll do the hey Hollywood. The next one of these, we're gonna do same lighting. We're gonna do it at night. But late. but I want you in like a John boat, you know? Hollywood. Hollywood's full of fuck yes energy. Actually, forget the John boat. I want you to have like wingies, you know? And you're I want him <laughs> to be a siren at the river. Yeah. Bay. Yeah. I'm getting no brother where art thou. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um and so, you know, if you can embrace that idea. Um, which I know for, for active duty guys and girls might be hard. But when you open up to that, like I'm going to create the life that I lead, that I live, mm-hmm. and I'm going to love as much as I can. That is now the opposite of what you had in the military, which was hate and destruction. So love, creation, and identity. Creation is super important. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think... Uh, you know, Adam Driver has his whole uh, nonprofit where he introduces plays and the arts and whatnot to veterans, and people kind of laugh at it a little bit. I think it's important. It is. Like, I, I think, I don't even care if you're good. You know, taking the time to try to write something, yes. try to shoot something, to try to act, to try to, um, like, I just think it's really healthy. Yes, and it and it's, it's healthy, you know, whether you sell you know, thousands of books like you did or, you know, 20 books. Like finishing a book is meaningful. Yep. Getting your thoughts on paper, structuring, you know, what you really got out of a situation, mm. um, you know, shooting dumb little skits. Like some of the, you know, it's easy to, for people to be like, oh, yeah, it's just a skit. But some of the stuff that I that I shot back in the day for Ranger Up before I knew, had any idea what I was doing, is still meaningful to me, you 100%. know, the people that, that laughed about it and, you know, like it, like that's, that's meaningful and fun and kind of closes a, a loop, so to speak. So I think more veterans should create. Yes. In addition to creating, um, I think we're speaking to art forms right now. Yeah. I'll simplify it and try and make it more palatable to the average person who the idea of like creating art is like, eh, you know, this guy was fitting pipes before he joined the infantry. Sure. Um, create the best Saturday ever, right? You just think, what do I want to do this Saturday? I want to wake up at this time. I want to eat this. I want to go to this place with this person. I want to have this experience at this place. And then I'm going to go have this type of meal. And then I'm going to go sleep at this place, right? You're creating your Saturday. Then you create your Sunday. So you could get your practice in just by creating the most epic Saturday that you can given your budget and timelines. Then create the most epic Sunday. And then start creating the most epic Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so on. And that's going to be hard. Not for some Thursday, people. though. Thursday. Not Thursday. Just, let, just suffer on Thursday. <laughs> Thursday <laughs> sucks. Sorry. How'd you get there, though? Because you didn't start there. You didn't start with this thought process. No. So what got you to this? Because at the beginning, you were probably just an angry Marine that wanted to do something creative and mm-hmm. wanted to, like, you were pissed at the government. You were mm-hmm. pissed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You were you were pissed at your military leadership. You were pissed at the politicians. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, and you were pissed at civilians maybe for not uh, understanding what what you went through. Uh, yeah, I was pissed at anyone at the thought of people judging me. <laughs> I was pissed at that. <laughs> um, and I will say though that my the the whole creating an awesome Saturday, I got that from my parents. Because during the week, we would talk about what we're doing this Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was um, a lot of times when we were living in North Carolina is we're going to the lake. 
That's how we're spending Saturday. Or maybe we're going to the uh, place that has all the trains. And after the trains, then we're going to this park. There's mostly parks and lakes because we never had much money growing up. Parks, lakes, and rivers. Yeah. We're going out into nature. We're yeah. going to hang out as a family. We're going to pack our food. And, you know, like we planned adventures. And they were simple. Um, so I had, fortunately, that ingrained in me from uh, my parents, my gr- a great upbringing. I just got better at, at communicating how important that is and wh- um, what it means to live with that mindset. And this comes from going to dozens of hikes at this point all around yeah. the country and meeting other veterans and hearing about their lives, which are mostly blue-collar lives. Sure. And their, their way of thinking, the way that they approach their life and the world and their job and their families, um, it, it, I've, I've always gone back to conversations that I've had with guys who were telling me about their experience. And I've, when I learn something new, right, because I'm, I'm, I'm doing things nonstop and I watch in ridiculous amounts of self-help stuff like Tony Robbins, Tom Bill you Tim we're, we're literally the opposite in this regard oh god like S- I hate I hate self-help soak that shit I hate up. it like I it dry I'm like uh, stop preaching at me oh I love it yeah it fills me yep but what it does now at this point I'm not judging need... though see how I'm not judging you no I'm not just at all. I'm just saying hey it's not my thing <laughs> the only thing worse than self-help for me <laughs> business books oh wow I hate business books okay the exception are uh, what is it uh, shoe dog. Shoot uh, Dog Million. Um, Phil, no, it's Phil just Knight. Shoot. Yeah, Phil Knight. Yeah. That was a great book. A good book. There's, a couple of, there's a couple of them out there where I, I feel... I thought my stuff was hard. I'm like, man, I would have tapped out year oh 10. Oh, my God. He's, he's crazy. But but the, what I liked about Shoe Dog was I felt like he was honest. Yeah. Like, he's like, I got lucky yeah. with this decision. Not with everything. Obviously, he's a winner. But with, like, this decision, he's like, man, this could have gone so wrong and everything would have ended right here, but I got lucky. Whereas most business books, these guys pretend... Like they, from the beginning, had this perfect vision and they saw it all to this perfect conclusion. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm not the best entrepreneur, but I've been doing this for almost, you know, almost two decades now. Nothing goes according to plan. Like what you think you're going to do is never what you end up doing. Everything changes. What worked the first time suddenly doesn't because the platform changed or, uh, you know, somebody else did something similar. You don't know, whatever it is, like it's, it, it's all different. So when, I very rarely see an honest business book, and I feel the same way about self-help books. These people pretend to have this wisdom that they don't have, or they've borrowed, or they've, you know. And mm. So unless they're honest about, like, mistakes and stuff, I'm not interested. Uh, the, the, the ones I listen to, the, a lot of the stories are their mistakes, and I love it. I'm, I'm pro that. I'm pro that. Honesty. But? But I also think honesty in writing is what makes writing good. Uh, sure. Yes. You, you don't care. You don't care about that. I can tell. Sure. Oh, I do. Yeah, you just want to move on to the next topic. No, my, my, my you just want to keep moving. It's all right. <laughs> let's, hey, let's get to what you want to talk about. My book was all self-deprecating. Yeah. So I get it. I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's a point that I think you'll appreciate. That's why I'm like, and plus hey, wh- Hollywood's hey, over hey, here holding up the are time. Are you going to get like, to the point or are we yeah. just going to sit here? So um, what listening to all these self-help gurus has done it's it's helped me communicate the things that i have learned to all the veterans that i've met Mm. and i listen to their words and i'm like oh i would love to say that to that guy i met last saturday 
And then a lot of times I will. I'll hit him up on Instagram or back in the day, Facebook when I used to use it. And I would say, hey, man, remember that combo? Well, I just had a thought, and I'd share that thought with him. That's cool. And that has helped me. I've created a bunch of videos that are just trying to share my personal experiences combined with the things that I've learned from some of these Combined with maybe some dance. Maybe, combined maybe with some dance. Maybe a little Encouraging like the freedom of spirit, right? Inspiration, jazz hands. Yep. Okay, and and I am able, at, at least sometimes, to to get through to veterans and help them to have these epiphanies where they're like, "I've been going to therapy for fucking six years, and that just clicked hard." And it's like, well, it's because I listen to them. Sure, I listen to them. Yeah, and I piece together all. Well, these and they're things. also going to listen to you because they know that you at least understand. Sure, some some of them I understand some some of what they've done. Yeah. But I mean, you have you have some sense of who, or at least the world they come from. Sure. Yes. And that's not always true of therapists. Uh, sure. And it was it's been my belief since the beginning, of of, of time the nonprofit. Okay, gotcha. Just wanted I wanted to set the, you know, <laughs> that the earth cooled and then dinosaurs came and then I thought, I thought that we have the ability to help each other, in a way that is far greater than most people can even comprehend. And when I say we, I'm talking about the veteran community. Because I hate the idea of asking the government for shit. I hate it. I really, really, really can't stand my government a lot. A lot. And the thought of, like, demanding that the government do more for veterans, it just makes me sick. It's like, we can all help each other. Yeah. We have to help ourselves first. And then if we all make an effort, we can help each other as a community. So I, I agree with you as an individual. Yeah. Like as an individual, I am responsible for helping myself and I am responsible for helping my community. That being said, I also think the government that can always find trillions of dollars for war should be helping veterans that have issues. I agree. I'm just not the one to do it. Yeah, no, I, I got it. I'm just, but I'm just I saying, totally I'm, I'm saying like the like, PACT Act? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Needed that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely needed that. Yeah. I, just something within me, I think it's probably because I come from uh, my mother being an immigrant, and in their family, they were passionate about not taking government subsidy. Sure. And they lived terribly. Sure. And worked so hard to make get themselves yep. out of poverty, mm -hmm. and they're just like, fuck that, we're not taking fucking, you know, any yeah. subsidy. And gra grandma's passionate, my mom's passionate. Yeah. So that's probably in me, Yeah. I guess. Yeah, pride, um, immigrant pride. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Everybody thinks like, oh, immigrants are coming here to, to uh, you know, like we're a nation of immigrants. Su suckle off the teat of the American government, and like it just isn't the case. Like the statistics do not bear that out at all. No, the immigrants are doing I just all the work. To use the word teat. Yeah. <laughs> and suckle. Yes. Yeah. No, that's we're a nation of immigrants, regardless yeah. of, of of where. We're on a timeline, and yes. Hollywood's back there ang yes. angry at us. Let me us. make this clear. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if we go to I was told by someone, I don't remember who it was, <laughs> <laughs> that you were on a timeline. You're right. One hour straight. One hour. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? Um, I, I, I want to drive home the idea of veterans creating a new identity for themselves. Yeah. Okay. You had this identity as a soldier. 
as a sailor, yep. an airman, a grunt, a, a, a air wing, whatever your identity was. But we all had an identity as a warrior. Mm-hmm. And warrior culture is different than normal culture. There is a warrior class. And warrior culture, um, there are aspects of warrior culture that are not healthy for normal, happy life. Right? When you first day of boot camp, you're told you are not an individual. Keep your fucking mouth shut. Keep your feelings to yourself. Have bearing. Don't express how you feel. Yep. And um, and fall in line, right? The, the, right off the bat, atrocious for mental health. Atrocious. Sure. That, that's particularly Marine Corps, though. It yeah, really Marine is. The it worst. really is particularly Marine it is. Corps. We're the worst at but it. But if we actually look at history, you know, most of the warriors that we hold to these incredibly high standards. You know, you look at, like, you know, Miyamoto Musashi. He was, uh, in addition to, you know, winning 83 duels and, you know, essentially killing everyone that came in front of him, he was also an expert painter, a calligrapher. Oh, wow. uh, he carved wood, you know, and he believed, he had a belief that in order to be an excellent fighter, you had to try to find excellence in other things. Oh, wow that you couldn't truly understand the art of war without trying to understand painting and calligraphy and cooking. And, and, and so he, um, he had such balance that when he finally, you know, there's only one guy that, uh, that he thought could have killed him. And that was his last duel. And if you believe the legend, you know, as he killed the guy, his top knot fell to the ground, severed, because the dude's sword had come so close to him that it had cut off the hair and there was, like, a trickle of blood coming out of his scalp. He then retired from fighting and spent the rest of his life painting, writing, and in thought. So... In thought. Yeah. I mean, really. I know. So, So, you know, and there are tons of stories like that of other warriors so like this idea that warriors are not supposed to be thinkers creators have emotion or whatever it's you know it's it's controlling emotion in a very specific situation is different than never having emotion and i think and i'm not trying to rag on the marine corps i think the military does have a bit of that issue but i think the marine corps in particular tries to like 100 percent. you know the marine corps are the worst at it it's getting getting that mold they're the worst at it they're the worst at it. Um, and and what anyone coming out of the service, Marine especially, needs to do is to shed that old identity. Right? And create a new identity. Like for a yourself. snake or like a crab. You know what I mean? Is it like molting or are you like I'm like getting rid of the identity? A bit I of think that. It's a snake. It's like yeah, a snake. It's a snake. Like a snake. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a snake. Yeah. I like how you thought about it. You're yeah. like, let me hold it. I yeah. need to live this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a snake. <laughs> no, that, that's well said. Shed it and then build, create a new one, whatever you want. Yep. And isn't part of that accepting the fact that no one actually gives a shit what you do? Yes. Stop fucking caring what other people think. Stop. It's such a damaging, destructive thought. Because, you know, I, I do think a lot of guys... You know, I get crap because, like, I never grew a beard. I never wore the hat. I never, like, people were like, hey, why don't you have a beard? I'm like, I didn't have a beard when I was in the military. I wasn't that cool. It wasn't a thing. I definitely don't need one now. It's itchy. 
Um, and like, not that there's anything wrong. Like, hey, if you want a beard, have a beard. But, but, but like, you know, there was this uniform for a while of what a veteran was supposed to, and you yes. never did it either. No. You know, you were in, you know, short shorts and shirtless, you know, with bleached hair or whatever. Did I mean, you looked, like a nine, you looked like a 90s, you looked like uh, Mark, whatever his name Mark was. Wahlberg yeah. in the 90s? No, no, not Wahlberg. Yeah. No, no, no. McGrath? What was the one with Oh, the... Mark McGrath, Sugar Ray? Yeah, Sugar Ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had like a whole Sugar Ray phase. But, um, but um, yeah. No, I, I, like, I, I think people continue to try to live the way that they think people expect them to yes. live. Yes. Rather than just like, hey, whatever you want to do is cool. As long as you're not hurting other people, be right. whoever you want to be. Don't be. worry. Don't yes. worry. Like, oh, I think it's, I think it's stupid you're making videos. Yeah, you know, cool. Don't do it for yourself. But this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, oh, I think it's stupid that you're going on silky hikes. Don't go. Like, you know, everyone has that choice, and you really realize how little people care about you. It's incredibly empowering. And I know that sounds rough, um, but. It's not that they don't care about you. They don't care about the things that you think they're judging. Well, I mean, for. no, I don't think they care about you. And yeah. I don't mean that like, like, listen, I care about you. Like, I don't want, I want good things for you. But, you know, just be real realistic, right? You leave here. We're friends. You leave here and, you know, uh, you find out, oh, shit, something happened. Nick's business is going under. Uh, you know, his wife's leaving him. You know, you're like, oh, that sucks. You might even give me a call because you're a good dude. But. You've got to pay the bills. You've got to take care of Vet TV. Uh, you've got to explore all the other things that you're doing. Even if you care about, even if we're good friends, you're going to expend 15 minutes, 30 minutes talking to me. And that's if we're tight. Yeah. I mean, depending how tonight goes, I might give you 45. Maybe 45. I don't know. But we're not, but, but you have to live your life. Yeah. So even in a situation where we are friends and you, you do care and you do make some effort, 95 to 99% of your day has to go to taking care of you. Sure. Yes. So what the fuck are you doing worrying about what Dan thinks? Yeah. Because at best, he's giving you 1% of the day yeah. thinking about you, but he's not taking action. Yeah. So like, what difference? Like, oh, Dan doesn't like me? Hey, that, that's too bad. I think he's a nice guy, but like, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. You know, oh, Danny, Danny doesn't want to talk to you anymore because you did that. Well, oh, that's too bad. I think he's a nice guy. But, like, Nick's got Nick problems. Yeah. Danny's got Danny problems. Yeah. Other Dan has Dan problems. Hollywood has no problems because he's fucking Hollywood. But, <laughs> but, so what's holding you back? Yeah. Be the, whoever the fuck you want to be and do whatever you want to do that makes you happy. And doesn't hurt anyone. And does not hurt anyone. Yeah. Yes. If you want to go travel the country, I think a lot of people feel like they have to like do something. Like, no, you don't owe anyone anything. If you want to just travel the country in a van mm -hmm. and stop at national parks yeah. or stop at skate parks yeah. and do that for two years, go fucking do it. If yeah. you want to go travel the world, just live out of a backpack from country to country. Just yeah. going where the wind blows you. Go fucking do it. There's no reason you cannot go do that. Literally no reason. If it seems cool, go do it. Yep. If, you, if your favorite band is coming back for a tour after 15 years and you want to go join them at four cities, go fucking do it. Uh, my friend uh, who we had on the show, his show's coming out shortly. His name's Mike Machiavello. Uh, he's a 28-year-old uh, world-class wrestler, oh, wow. right? And he called me four months ago, three months ago, and was like, 
thinking about going to the WWE. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't know you wanted to do that. He's like, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I've been wrestling for a while and, um, you know, I haven't, you know, I'm in the hunt, but I haven't quite made it, you know, to that top spot yet. And, you know, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm getting too old and I'm falling behind my, you know, my peers that I graduated college from. And, you know, and, and I was like, bro, you're 28. You, you're like the best at what you do. You know, there's only two dudes in the country that like can beat you every once in a while. And he's like, yeah, but you know, like, I don't want to fall behind. Like, and he's talking about finances and talking about all this stuff. And I just was like, you know, it's very hard for you to see because you're young and it feels like you, like so much life has passed you by, but you will never get the opportunity to be who you are right now ever again. You will never have a chance to do what you're doing right now ever again. So if you don't want to do it anymore, then you have no obligation to anybody. But if you do still love wrestling, you should wrestle. Yeah. And Fuck yeah. and he, he stayed. He just won the U.S. Open. No way. He just won the U.S. Open. And he, he destroyed everyone. That's awesome. And, um, and, and I, like, I'm literally taking no credit for this, but he made the decision, once he made the decision, I'm wrestling, and turned down the WWE, he was like, it just focused me. Mm. And then he became incredibly focused, and he said that this is the most focused he's ever been for any training regime. He, you know, he counted every calorie, every macro, like there was no cutting any corners. It was like, I am doing everything right. I will have the best cardio. I will be the best trained, went out there and dominated, including in the finals against a guy that has beaten him in every other world event. He teched him. Fuck yeah. Like sometimes, you know, the idea that there is a timeline to when you're supposed to do X, Y, or Z, like... It's different for everybody. Almost nobody is successful in their 20s. Yeah. Almost nobody. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So, you know, I, I, people hurt themselves worrying about something that doesn't matter because people don't care anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm off my horse. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm off the horse. When I go on trips, I rent a car. When I go on vacations, I rent a B&B. When I'm bored on Thursday night, I rent the 2011 Dumpster Fire Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds just to feel something. When I need a power tool, I go to Home Depot. Then I look at how much it costs, talk myself out of it, and drive home only to be chewed out by my family because apparently the roof leaking is a bad thing. That's where Ransack comes into play, my favorite space for renting any tool you can think of. I've seen everything from pressure washers to industrial endoscopes to a cordless impact wrench. Ransack.com is a space where users can rent their tools or equipment daily to local users, and it's extremely convenient for those in need of a one-time-use tool. Ransack doesn't just have tools. They also have sports gear, outdoor equipment, lawn care supplies, and stuff for your parties. You can even rent services on the space. Visit R-A-N-N-S-A-K.com to learn more. Give I'm us something excited. powerful before we do our fast round. Dancing. Oh, you want to you get a little dancing? A little dancing. Can we get a little dancing? It's amazing. Well, I need, I need some music. We're not going to be able to. We're, 
Hollywood. Can, let, let me get oh, the words first. How about some acapella music from Hollywood? Okay. Let, 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 me, let me say some powerful words first. Powerful world, words. Well, then we're going to give you the fast round. So here we go. Oh. Powerful words. I'm ready for okay. it. Powerful, powerful words. Yep. Create a life that you love where you are constantly feeling love and joy. You're <laughs> here. You're here. Am I right? Hollywood, what are, we, what are we singing so he can dance? I don't know. He needs to tell me what he wants to hear. Yeah, what do you want to hear? We can't play that. We can't. We can't. But we can't play the music because we're not going to be able to. We're oh, not going to yeah. be able to run it. But once he starts, we'll shut the uh, audio off. And Mike, can you sing? Oh, I can sing, brother. Yeah, okay. Hollywood can sing. Okay. What are we doing? Give us a song. I mean, there's always old, there's always the old classic. <laughs> what is it? Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Don't dance anything. Hold on. Where are we going, Hollywood? At first, I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so I many get up? nights just wondering sorry. how get you did yeah, me get wrong. Up. And I grew strong. And I learned how to carry on. And now you're back from outer space. I just walk in to find you there with that look upon your face. I could have made you change your life. I could have changed your key. If I'd known for just one minute, you'd be back to bother me. Come on now, go. Walk out the door. Now turn around now. Because you don't love me anymore. Ladies and gentlemen. This guy can sing. He can. He can. He's good. And even if he wasn't, he wouldn't care because he's Hollywood. Here we go. Here we go. The way this works, you've got 10 seconds top to answer. We don't know explanation. We don't need to hear additional things. You just answer the question. I'm about to answer it. As soon as I grabbed it, I regretted it. The first question that I always ask everybody. What is the toughest animal you think you could defeat in hand-to-hand combat? Mountain lion. That's, that's a bold. That's a bold. St- the you're you're the that. second mountain lion believer. I was just talking about my buddy. What is one thing you wish could exist but doesn't at this moment? A studio like this for Vet TV. Excellent. Do you have a secret talent? No, I don't keep any talent secret. That's a shame. <laughs> when was the last time you screamed at the top of your lungs? I try to not get really angry lately. Mike, what was it? What was it? You you could be scared too, you know, just like a, you know, one of those. Or it could be like, let's go. You know, you could be happy. Um, ah, fuck. I don't even know. Moving on, moving on. What do you miss most about the military? The simplicity of life. That's good. What has been your favorite age thus far? 39's been pretty fucking sick. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Moondance. Give us 10 seconds. Go. Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance with the stars up above on the sky. A fantabulous night to make romance neath the cover of October skies. <laughs> that's all nice job. That's all nice job. Got. Do you drive in the left lane? Usually not. I'm a slow driver. If you are in the left lane, do you move when other people drive up behind you? 
Depends on my mood. Sometimes I say. Sometimes Fuck you're em. the asshole. Mm. Damn it! Wow. Damn that! I lost a little respect right there. <laughs> that was unexpected. Uh, what is the most useless word? Five. I don't know. I wouldn't say. Four, it. three, two, one. I. Oh, that's such a that's such a <laughs> that's such a Tony Robbins. Joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. As soon as I said it, I was like, yeah. "That wasn't genuine." I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> that wasn't genuine. Yeah, it wasn't at genuine because I all. say <laughs> I all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, as he's like, look at me, look I at me. <laughs> Do you believe in the supernatural, witches, ghosts, etc.? Ghosts, no. Witches? Oh, no. Dracula? No. Th- what dumb thing did you believe for a really long time? What other people thought of me. <laughs> what is something that you posted on social that you instantly regretted? Um, about 25% of my feed. <laughs> if someone wrote a biography about you, what do you think the title should be? Mm. And you can't say irreverent warrior. Embarrassing confessions of a something American. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which movie sequel do you wish you could erase from history? Five. Eraser. Four. Eraser three. two. Was there an eraser oh two? Oh my god! There's an eraser two. <laughs> no oh shit. <laughs> okay. Name three of your favorite films. I don't even know if there was an eraser yeah. two. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with it. There probably was. Name three of your favorite films. Uh, Forrest Gump. Gangs of New York, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the whole um, Band of Brothers series. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? I don't know. It's probably some stuff in Thailand. There's a lot of weird you've stuff. I've actually heard that a few times also. Yeah. Who plays you in the movie? Ooh, that's interesting. Depends on what age. Well, now they can have one person aged to whatever age is appropriate, a.k.a. Indiana Me. Jones 5. You? Me. You play you in the movie? Yeah. Ballsy. What's your least favorite wedding song ever? Uh, from the window to the wall. <laughs> Where's your dream vacation? Lake Tahoe. Scariest moment in the military? Probably walking through a minefield. What do you like most about civilian life? They, they packed a ton of these in here for I you. can do whatever the fuck I want. What's your weapon of choice in the apocalypse? 240. Eraser 2. <laughs> he got lucky. He got lucky. He got, lucky. He got lucky. Dominic he was Sherwood and Jackie Lil. All right, last yeah. one. Last I question. I, I, I saw the poster. No, we already like, did that, that one. We have no additional questions. I had a last one, but it was a double. It was uh, the karaoke song again. Nice. So I apologize for that. No worries. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show. Dude, this this awesome. was a had a great time. You Thank brought you. a lot of insight to the table. Thank some you. some good dancing, Fuck some yeah. reasonable karaoke. I mean, I had fun. I think Dan had fun. I don't Dan, think the man. has taken the questions as serious. No, he he was hard. He was hardcore. Yeah, aren't, aren't you glad we didn't postpone this thing and I'm go to that so, fucking I'm stupid so ass ha- steak dinner? We're, we're having the steak dinner. Oh, we're still going. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, okay. We're not yeah, yeah, we're not. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm an adult. <laughs> Fruit roll ups. <laughs> anyway, guys, I got apple and a banana. While, while they're rudely trying to have this conversation, this has been Nick Palmashano at the neutral position. It has been a pleasure to have Danny Mayer, aka Donnie O'Malley, on the show, and we will see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe, unless you're a bad person, in which case you want me to fail, and that's cool. That's, if that's what you want, if you want to put that negative energy out in the world, then by all means do. But your mom is judging you.